Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Scott Morris. It is Friday. Love is in the air. And I'm suffocating. What? <laughs> ah, Valentine's Day. A little upset second time this week that I have lost money in the old vending machine and back. I, I really feel guilty now I have to go to the powers that be and ask for my 75 cents back. And it's happening for the second time in the matter of uh, three days. They're going to think I'm scamming the system here before real. So the, my Valentine's Day is off to a, a, a rip-roaring start. Which reminds me, 2 o'clock hour... Two o'clock hour, in lieu of Pop Culture Corner, which Jeff does in the final hour of the final show of the week every Friday, two o'clock hour, uh, because I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave, he has, he has the rights to that property, that radio property. So today, two o'clock hour, because it is Valentine's Day, because love is in the air, we're going to ask and request, start, start thinking now. Don't text in now because it'll get lost in the cascade of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of texts that we get in our three-hour show. If you want to email in, you can do that. But we are going to ask today during Friday Frivolity, Valentine's Day debacles, okay? And debacle can be defined any way you want. It can be something that was really small and not a big deal, or it could be just horrific. My wife walked out on me on Valentine's Day 2007. That would be a real whopper of a debacle. But it could be anything. I tried to make dinner. I was talking to Mike Spaulding earlier, uh, news guy, Mike Spaulding. And he said one Valentine's Day, I think he said Valentine's Day, tried to make dinner, big exotic meal. I think it was lamb or something like that. Completely screwed it up. Uh, at the time, his girlfriend, now wife, showed up and it was just burnt to a crisp and they ended up going out. At, for for you know fast food or something like that, so that would be a smaller, more minor debacle. But Valentine's Day debacles, maybe maybe it's with your current sweetie and you were able to overcome. Maybe it happened years and years ago and still you were able to overcome. So two o'clock hour, start thinking now. Valentine's Day debacles. Okay, if you want to email your story in, you can email me directly, Scott dot Warris W A. R-R-A-S at WTMJ.com. Scott.Warris at WTMJ.com. I've got a couple. I feel like this week I've hit on a number of school-related stories. And I've got a real a real humdinger here in just a moment. And I've been debating with myself and with some others in the office about it. But before I get to it, I need to just... Because this is the last day, and you can settle down now, stop applauding. This is the last day that I'll be in for Jeff uh, this week. He'll be back from vacation on Monday. And I feel as if I need a little um, closure on something we brought up earlier in the week. Can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Monday. In advance of New Hampshire on Tuesday, 
We heard Joe Biden drop this, and I know he drops a lot of rather old and antiquated phrases. He's constantly talking about malarkey. Get your words straight, Jack. He uses Jack a lot. That's a Jack. Nobody really talks like that under the age of 70. But anyway, he dropped this line earlier this week. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> Again. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Which, you know what it reminded me of? And I didn't say it when, he, when we talked about it earlier in the week. But it reminded me of the game Mad Libs. Do you ever play Mad Libs as a kid? Kyle producing the program as always. Um, it was it, it, Mad Libs is where there's a little story, short story, and you have to go around the room and, all right, give me an adjective. Give me a noun. Give me another adjective. Give me uh, an adverb. And then the people playing the game give you the words. You insert the words where they're asked for in the story, and then you read back the story, and hilarity ensues because... The words make it a funny story. Well, it sounds like this was like a Joe Biden, Joe Biden playing Mad Libs. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> so the media in New Hampshire said, where in the world did he get that line from? And the Joe Biden camp said he's referencing a John Wayne film, <laughs> which again speaks how many people under the age of 70 are quoting John Wayne films. The problem is John Wayne made, I don't know, uh, like 180 movies or something like that. So you can't go through every one. Well, lo and behold, the Wagner Show research team has uncovered the two movies that apparently John Wayne was channeling when he called somebody a lying dog-faced pony soldier. There was a John Wayne movie from the early 50s, one from the late 40s. And we have found the clips... Which part do you want to hear first? The dog face soldier or the pony soldier part? Well, I'll play the pony soldier part. This is uh, from a pony soldier movie, uh, John Wayne. The pony soldier speaks with the tongue of the snake that rattles. The pony soldier speaks for the tongue of the snake that rattles. It was spoken by a Native American chief in the movie. So there's your pony soldier. But then, where does the dog face come in? Guess what? Here's the dog face part. So here they are, the dog-faced soldiers, the regulars, the 50 cents a day professionals, riding the outposts of a nation. From Fort Reno to Fort Apache, from Sheraton to Stark, they were all the same. Men in dirty shirt blue and only a cold page in the history books to mark their passing. But wherever they rode and whatever they fought for, that place became the United States. So there we have it. So... The next time he conjures up, Biden conjures up the phrase, You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. It came from these two movies. The pony soldier speaks with the tongue of the snake that rattles. Okay, that one. And then, uh... So here they are, the dog-faced soldiers, the regulars, the 50 cents... There you have it. So I just I wanted to bring that to you. Because I think that's something important that you should take into your weekend. Okay, now I know where Joe Biden got the dog-faced dog pony soldier line from. And you know what? That might be a nice... Roses are red, violets are blue. You're a dog-faced pony soldier. But I love you. See, now it can tie in as well. Okay. All right, when we come back...
I have been debating with myself in my cubicle all morning on this one. Drills. We all go through them, whether it's a fire drill, whether it's a tornado drill. Maybe you do it now as an adult in your workplace once a year or so. Okay, everybody, let's go through a fire drill. But more likely than not, it's it's um, kind of reserved for schools. And unfortunately, by the way, two years ago today, Parkland, a very infamous anniversary date, as it were. But a lot of schools, obviously now we are in the era of active shooter drills, correct? Sadly, correct. Active shooter drills. How important is it that everybody be told ahead of time that this is a drill, this is only a drill? Is that important? Or should the suddenness, the spontaneity, the surprise drill, where you don't know if it's legit or not, is that an important factor in executing a key drill? Is that important to preparing you for the real thing? Would you want to know that this is just a drill or not ahead of time? That debate when we come back. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Let's have this debate. Let's have the debate on the radio that I've been having in my mind throughout this morning. A drill. To make a drill effective, do you need to know that it's a just a drill ahead of time? Or does the suddenness of it, and dare I say the fear, does that not make a drill ultimately accomplish what it's intended to do, right? If you know a drill is just a drill, are you as likely to act and react as you should? And specifically, for young people, for your kids, do you want your kids to know that an active shooter drill is just that, just a drill? Or, in order to drive home the point, And in order to motivate them and have them in a frame of reference to act accordingly and appropriately, don't screw around, don't mess around, is that something you can share with them after the fact? So they're thinking, this could be the real thing. Hmm. This debate is happening right now. Share the details of what's happening in this country. Second anniversary of Parkland. So it... There's some symmetry there. 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Think how all of us have acted or reacted when we've been involved in an active shooter drill. But even think back before the age of before the age of the mass shootings and the threat of mass shootings. When you were a kid in school and you had the tornado drills, the fire drills, you knew it wasn't real. You knew it wasn't happening. You knew there was no fire. You knew it was a sunny day. There was no tornado coming. And you kind of goofed off, didn't you? You didn't really take it seriously when the point of the drill is to prepare you for the real thing. Let's start in New Berlin. Let's talk to Mary. Good morning, Mary. You're on WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Um, I just, I just wanted to let you know. Um, I was in that kind of situation where 
they didn't tell us that it was a drill, but it was a drill. And the next time that we had a drill that they didn't tell us, nobody took it seriously. Uh, this was an active shooter drill? Yes. Okay. So, all right. So, the first, they, you went through a drill. They didn't tell you it was a drill. It ended up being just a drill. And so the next time they had it, you just kind of said, well, this isn't real. Yeah, everybody around me, everybody in my class and all of the classes didn't take it seriously the second time because they figured, oh, it's just another drill. So I don't think that really accomplishes the goal, not telling people that it's a drill. It just makes them more scared in that one moment, but then not as scared. The next time. Ever again, right. Were you a student or a teacher or a staff worker at a school when this happened? A student. A student, okay. And so, so, all right, from the student perspective, what would make this practice most impactful? Because that's the bottom line. What can we do to prepare people for the real thing? If everybody knows up front this is just a drill, do you think that that would still serve to be as effective as possible? I genuinely think that it would because I feel like the point of the drill is muscle memory to know what you should be doing, know where you have to go, know it before, God forbid, that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having that clear mind in that moment so that you can think about it so that next time you don't have to think about it. Okay. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate that. Yeah, go ahead. Finish up. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. The most effective thing I think is seeing these news stories because I've had conversations with my classmates I'm in high school I've had conversations with my classmates about these situations and that's what's really hitting home that's what's really doing it having the conversations is really is what is making people take this seriously let me ask you this Mary real quickly because I uh, because I've got you here how how top of mind when you walk into your school, how top of mind are school shootings for you and for your classmates, for your friends? It's very top of mind. It's on our minds every single day. Every time the bell rings for an announcement, every time the bell rings for uh, classes to change, it's always on our minds. Wow. I appreciate your perspective. Thank you, Mary. 855-616-1620, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Eric, Nick, Danielle, hang on, we'll come to you after the break. How important is it, specifically for mass shooting drills, active shooter drills, active shooter drills, how important is it that the students, the faculty, but specifically the students be told up front, this is a drill, or in order to truly prepare them for the real thing, should that not be told up front? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 1228. The debate is happening, and it's involving two of the nation's largest teachers' unions. And they're calling for an end to unannounced active shooter drills at schools. Tell the kids up front... This is just a drill. Our first call, Mary, a high school student, said, look, if it's about muscle memory and doing the same thing over and over again so that when it is the real thing, God forbid, you act and react 
instinctually using those that muscle memory? Well, then just tell us up front. We'll march in the line, or we'll close the door, or we'll huddle in the court, whatever, whatever the the whatever the drill is, whatever the safety you know the, the the safety measures are for a given place. It's good to know up front. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That of course the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. Eric, Nick, Danielle, I will come to you, but I want to give you guys uh, a fair time here. We'll do that right after the news, so don't go anywhere. Real quickly on the text line. I understand the thought 414. I understand the thought process behind not telling the kids ahead of time it's a drill. However, I think it is unethical to put children through the trauma of thinking they might die by someone shooting them for the sake of practice. That is really at the heart of the debate. What type of trauma, the fear that you are putting in students of all ages, really, who are then firing off texts maybe to their parents saying, there's a shooter here. We're, 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 we're on lockdown in our classroom. We're huddled in a closet. And in the end, oh, never mind, it was a drill. Does that do more harm than good in the long run? Back to the calls in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Do not forget, 2 o'clock hour, we'll have a, a little Friday frivolity. You can email in your suggestion as well. Do not forget, we've got our last $25 gift card to Sticks Golf to give away. You have until 1.30 this afternoon. Last day to do it. You have until 1.30 to go to the WTMJ Facebook page. Tell us how much you love golf. How much do you love golf? Leave your answer. Leave a comment. And we will take a look at those comments and award one of you the gift card. All right. They've been very patient. Let's go back to the phones. Let's continue this debate. Eric and Wauwatosa, how important is it that students be told up front, hey, this active shooter drill, well, it, it is just that, a drill. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. This is Scott. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, oh, oh Eric, Eric, it's Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> sorry about that. Jeff's been out all um, week. Jeff's been out all week, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I, I, I just heard, heard it in the preview. Fair so. enough. Anyway, right. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. But, um, yeah, I, I missed the, the introduction to this discussion. I tuned in in the middle of Mary's talk, and, and I'm even more shocked and upset that schools are actually performing this live shooter drill without telling the kids that this is just a drill. I, I, I mean, I, I think that's just insane. I, I would think it would cause a lot of of fear and panic and anxiety for, for these poor kids without telling that. I mean, with them thinking that it's really happening, I think that's just asinine. I, I, I remember back as a kid, we had fire drills and tornado drills, and they, were, they told us that it's a drill. It was a calm, relaxed learning experience. Everybody followed orders. You learned what to do and how to do it right. So when the case arises... You know, it's it's not that huge of a of a catastrophe. I or they have some experience to to do this unannounced. I I'm shocked and upset that they really are doing this. I can't believe it. 
Yeah, no, it, it's true. And across the country, and now this particular story is out of the New Jersey, uh, New York area, two of the nation's largest teachers' unions are calling for an end to those districts and those schools that do not announce their active shooter drills ahead of time. Um, now, there are some on the other side of the spectrum that say, they, they talk to one parent, and she says, um, it's good not to announce it ahead of time. That way you know how they're going to react. You know exactly how they're going to respond, and that way you know what you need to work on, what needs to be practiced, as opposed to having the monthly, this is a drill, and everybody just kind of goes through the motions, and maybe after a while, maybe the kids just don't take it as seriously. And then, God forbid, it actually happen, and you have to react seriously they're not prepared. That's what some might say. Oh, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, it's using our children in schools as guinea pigs to test this out. I mean, if, if anything, they should get kids in a, in a group consortium and do a discussion about this before actually performing it. That is just so wrong. I would be in favor of, of national legislation to outlaw this practice. Thanks, Eric. Crazy. Uh, yep, yeah, appreciate you weighing in. 855-616-1620. To Muskego, it's Nick. Hi, Nick. Hey, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for uh, taking Eric first, because I was going to call you Jeff, too. So, um, <laughs> I've said, I, I've said all of you officer. straight for the next three hours. <laughs> I'm a police officer, and one of the biggest things when you go through training is slowness for form, uh, the repetition, and and doing it correctly, not doing it for speed. It's not rushing through it. If if you want to know how people are going to react to it by surprising them, teach them how you want them to react. Show them how you want them to react, and you get that muscle memory. Even as a child, they're going to learn to do what they should do when when that moment of, you know, spontaneous moment of, Oh, there's somebody with a gun. We need to react. Now they're going to know what to do and do it correctly. Okay. So you kind of echo, and like you say, you work in law enforcement. You echo our first caller who was or is a, a high school student who, who talked about muscle memory. And it, right. it's, it's good to not know. Is there any – can you draw a comparison to other drills? You know, I said you know, as a kid, I always remember – Fire drills once every so often, or once a year, the tornado drills. I mean, it, it, is it shown? Is it, is it proven that, look, by telling them it's a drill up front, when the real thing happens, it works? Definitely. It, it's without a doubt. There's a, otherwise, you're a squirrel in the road running back and forth and not knowing which way to run. I mean, you need to experience the correct way to do something and actually do it well but 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 they aren't doing it correctly it's it's they're not teaching them the incorrect way to take shelter during an active shooter situation um they're 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 just not telling them up front right but and if you're if you're doing it on the act of surprise and you're acting in the the scared heat of the moment you're not learning it you're reacting to it and it's not going to sink into your mind the correct way to be doing it thanks nick i appreciate your perspective there is certainly something to be said for that frenzied fear that you have in your mind in that moment that 
kind of keeps it, look it would keep everybody from from acting the way they should or reacting the way they should i mean think about it in, in our own workplace here we I'm trying to think kyle we we've had maybe we've never had an active shooter drill in this building we have had a fire drill once a long time ago it's very seldom and uh, I'll be honest, I really, and I know we have the maps on doors, here's the nearest exit, but if if all of a sudden, in two minutes from now, the fire drill went off, I don't really know well, what where the heck are, I would yeah, go. What, what, what are what you I doing? Do. Are, do, we, do we go to a break and say, oh, WTMJ I... is doing a fire drill? <laughs> Please stand by, stuff like that. And I, I would certainly, if I saw smoke, let's say that I see smoke in the, coming around the window here or, or, or flames, something in the ceiling panels above us with all the wiring and whatnot, there would definitely be a freakout factor as opposed to, hey, at 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon, February 14th, we're doing a fire drill, in which case, okay, where do I line up? Where do I, there, there is a fear and a panic that sets in well, if, you don't, if you think it's legit right away. Or if you if you think it's actually an emergency situation, that's for sure. Let's 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 actually apply what we're talking about here for schools. Let's not talk about a fire drill. Let, yeah. Let's say people, our coworkers, because we have a large window, we can see outside different hallways. Right, are running for their lives in, all in one direction, mm-hmm. uh, and then somebody's walking around with a, like a toy gun, something like that. Like that's the that's the drill that the company didn't tell us about. So, and that's and that's what we're we're doing with. What what do you think our situation, our reaction would be? I would get away from that glass. Get away from the glass. I'd be a little ticked off. I'd be mad. Yeah. I think my my gut reaction, as we have this debate, my gut reaction would be like, don't don't do that to me. Tell me it's a drill ahead of time. Well done, well done. Look what you've pulled out of the host's mind and voice right there one more danielle in greenfield hi danielle your thoughts on this hi yeah hi thanks for taking my call mm-hmm. um i guess what I thought was i'm a little surprised that two of the biggest national teachers unions supposed to be focused on education are missing such a huge opportunity to educate so if the the purpose of the drills is to prepare them 100 percent what you need to do who you need to listen to where you need to go that that has to go, you've got to go over that with the kids beforehand. Now, that's going to be different depending on if you're talking to kindergartners or high schoolers, but I think it would be wise to break the kids up into groups the day before or the week of, go over what's going to happen, where they need to go, walk them maybe to their designated spot, and then tell them tomorrow or whatever day we're going to run through the drill that we've just discussed. I think that, yeah, go ahead. That's exactly what, no, and maybe maybe you're misunderstanding. That's exactly what these teacher union wants. This is what they want. Oh. They, they want to, no, 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 they're with you. They want to say okay. enough of the unannounced active shooter drills. You need to tell yeah. us. You need to tell kids. So that isn't the case across the board. But these large teachers I mean, so- units are saying, tell them ahead of time, this is only a drill. This will be a practice. Yeah, the fact that they've been doing it the other way, right. though, is, is shocking to me. Yeah, I was I- surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of people, thanks for the call and thanks for holding, Danielle. And a lot of people 
say that the trauma that these kids, younger certainly, but older as well, but the trauma that these kids go through by not being told ahead of time is 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 horrible. Is horrible for them. And think of the ancillary trauma because everybody's got a cell phone now of all ages. So you don't tell the kids ahead of time. To, to, to your analogy, Kyle, or, or, or to your example, if all of a sudden I see that happening and I got my phone here two and a half feet to my left and suddenly I text, you know, whomever, you know, family, whatever, and say, hey, or, or there's an active shooter. I love you, whatever. Or, 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 a, or a co-worker who I know is on the drive in. Hey, active shooter at the radio station. Don't come in now. Now you've done a little damage to the psyche of those people, your friends, your family, who you are feverishly texting in the midst of a drill that you do not know is a drill. And you and I, neither of us have kids. We don't have children. But it, like, I can't imagine what it's like having being a parent, receiving a text message, something like that, because we hear about those stories all the time when these uh, school shootings happen. Lockdowns kids, or, yeah, or just lockdowns. Like, there's an threat. active shooter. We're on lockdown. I, I love you, and you, and then you don't receive another text for you know an hour and a half, whatever, because of whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. You as a parent are losing your mind. Uh, you're you're trying to figure out everything that you possibly can in a short amount of time, and then again that rug is pulled out from under you. Oh, it's just a drill. I think I think there's there would be. <laughs> there would be hell to pay. There would, there, yeah, there would be a lot of uh, questions that need to be answered. And some of you have made this point as well. If you don't tell them, if you don't tell them, well, once they go through it and then on the on the back end realize it was just a drill, well, aren't you just kind of crying wolf when it is a real thing? I can't and imagine. Are you not, uh, you know, it, 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 if, God forbid, it is a real thing? Well, are they going to think this is it, or are they going to think, oh, last time it was a drill, and they told us after the fact, so maybe this is a drill as well? This can't happen that often, because we don't really hear stories, at least not in Wisconsin. I haven't heard a story of this mm-hmm. happening in Wisconsin, the unannounced. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it must. this must be sort of a small rarity kind of a thing, but I would imagine it would be a PR nightmare for the school and the school district when that happens. 1249, Scott in for Jeff on WTMJ. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Many of you texting in saying, if I got a message, if I got a text from my kid that there was an active shooter at school when it was really just a drill but they didn't know it yet, I'd be racing to work. I'd be, I'd be racing from work to that school, you know, in no time. Yeah, I appreciate. Uh, I think you you guys have convinced me of that. I just I was I was kind of going back and forth. I and uh, um, there, there's more harm than good done. In the end, what is going to be what's best for the for the children? What's going to be best for the students going through these drills? And um, yeah, that's one of those where think about it for a little while. It is kind of surprising that more schools don't do it. Still to come. Still to come this afternoon, don't forget, after 2 o'clock, no Pop Culture Corner. Jeff will do it when he's back on Friday. Instead, we'll have a little Friday frivolity. Start thinking now on this Valentine's Day, looking for your Valentine's Day debacles. (laughs) 
debacles come in all shapes and sizes. And um, don't text in now, but we'll do that after 2 o'clock. Start thinking if you can share your story on your own Valentine's Day debacle. You want to email me, scott.warris, W-A-R-R-A-S, scott.warris, at WTMJ.com. A couple of you have done that already. So we'll read those after 2 o'clock, have that gift card to give away as well. You know what I was thinking last night? There was an accident uh, kind of uh, around the corner from where I live, but I could still kind of see it out the window. And this was at, I don't know, 9, 9.30 at night. But, little fender bender, it led to a tow truck having to be called. Led to a tow truck having to be called. And we must have been hovering around zero degrees, give or take, At that point, it's cold. Who cares if it's one above or two below? And I thought, as I did last year during the polar vortex, there's something about the cold weather and tow truck drivers. Last year, polar vortex week, I remember seeing somebody being towed, and the guy had to get out of his car and kind of shimmy on his back to hook up the the device underneath the vehicle. And I got to thinking, you know, this is one of those... Being a tow truck operator... One of those jobs, one of those professions that is just absolutely miserable when it's zero degrees out, when it's an absolutely frigid night. Now, last night and early this morning has been the coldest day of the season, right? Hopefully that's as cold as we get. We have not seen a polar vortex this year. We're a little over the one-year anniversary of the polar vortex. But it got me to thinking, and I've asked this question last year during the vortex week, and maybe in years past, other hosts have done the same. What is the worst job to have? What is the worst job? What's the worst profession in which to be a worker when it is as cold as it has been today, right now, this morning, overnight? And like I said, I, I thought of it again. I wasn't planning to do this, even though I know it was going to be cold. I thought of it again last night as I'm watching this tow truck driver have to kind of, you know, corral and and hook up and ultimately haul away this vehicle that had been in this fender bender. And it is just brutally cold out there. Is is that the worst? It's got to be anything obviously maybe maybe somebody who works for the city has to repair a sewer line or something like that. We'll do this after the news for just a segment or so. But if you would like to maybe you know somebody who look, there are there are jobs out there that regardless of how cold it is, <laughs> you got to do the job, and if it means you got to be outside, so be it. So 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Some of us have jobs that no matter how cold it gets, or hot in the summer, but right now, no matter how cold it gets, when you are called upon, you've got to go do it. What are those professions? What are those jobs? I'll start with tow truck Driver, 855-616-1620. We'll take your calls and texts after the news on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. Jeff, back Monday. He will regale us all with stories from vacation. Hilarity ensuing. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Okay. I, I just I think of this, 
Every time it gets as cold as it's been, what's the worst job to have in weather like this? Um, saw the tow truck operator last night cleaning up an accident around the corner, and I thought, man, that just, he's out there by himself. Like, even the cop who was there was sitting in the in the squad car, just kind of with the heat. I don't know if the heat was on. I assume it was. But the tow truck guy's got to be out there hooking it up, make sure it's all... It's all running. Uh, 855-616-1620. Make your nomination now for the worst job to have. Okay, on the text line, I don't know if this says more about our listeners or what. Two of you, two of you have (laughs) two different texters have referenced, uh, well, one references a lady of the night. (laughs) Another one says a streetwalker. Ah, yes. The oldest, what is that, the, what, what do they call it? The oldest, Amer- America, no, the world's oldest profession. Do they even work on nights like this? No. Do they? Kyle's saying absolutely they do. How do you know that, Kyle? <laughs> Eight, five, five. Two of you, like consecutive texts from completely different area codes. All right. Worst job to have, worst profession to have on a day. A night, like last night or early this morning. Christopher Burlington. Hi, Christopher. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Jeff? I'm okay. So, uh, yeah, that's good. Take it so away. The worst profession. Uh, I, I, I work on water wells for a living. Mm. So do we not only work outside in the cold like days like today and last night, we, we also do it with water every day. So We, what... we work with a lot of dairy farms. Oh. Um, you know, if their well pumps go out in the middle of the night when it's 30 below, we're, we're out there replacing them and getting them back because, in water. Because without it, they don't have water, and you kind of need water to do your thing, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, they, the cows need water to drink. They need water for cooling the milk and washing stuff down. And so, Man. All right. We do. There you go, Christopher. God bless you, doing that job in some rough weather, whether you like it or not. Uh, many of you casting votes for male carriers, male men and women, as it were, including one of you in the 414 says, I'm a mailman and this weather sucks. <laughs> He's sitting in the in the truck right now, trying to get the feeling back in his fingers, texting into the show. All right. Let's go to Ron and Fond du Lac. Hi, Ronnie. How you doing, Scott? I'm okay. What uh, profession is just brutal on a day like well, this? Well, you think about those wee energy guys working on the power lines. You're hanging up in the air in a basket with nothing to block the wind. Oh. So not only is it cold, but you're right there in the teeth of the dog. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's nothing to shield the wind and the subsequent wind nope. chill, is there? All right. That's a good one, Ron. Thanks. 855 616 one six twenty. Joe in South Milwaukee texting in a delivery driver delivering construction material to a job site. That sounds like it's hitting a little too close to home for you, Joe. Firefighters, big one. Yep, firefighters fighting a fire. You're needed. You have to. You have to answer. You got to be out there. There's got to be a. I mean, you're spraying the water, and I know that the speed and the velocity of the water, but still, I mean, how effective is the water you're spraying when it's sub-zero? Hmm. Diane in Reedsville, who's on your mind on a weather day like this? 
Well, I guess I'm pretty sympathetic to most people who have to be out in this kind of weather. True. But as we're looking out into our woods, we live in a woods, mm-hmm. and we have a cell tower in our woods. And it's not one of the lattice towers. It's more like a pole tower. Mm-hmm. And as we watch the two guys that are working on it shimmy up that pole, <laughs> I'm sure they're just rappelling up there with their cables and such, and with the wind blowing, I feel very sympathetic to them oh. because I don't think I would, first of all, get up on a pole in nice weather let alone on days like today. This is one of those days, Diane, where you, where you reconsider your career path. <laughs> well, I'm a retired school counselor, so yes. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm emphasizing that I enjoyed what I did, but I look at jobs like that, mm-hmm. somebody's got to do them, and it ain't going to be me. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Diane. Appreciate that. 855-616-1620. Dairy farming. A texter says, been there, done that, I have stories. Dairy farming. People never think about the dairy farmers, but as the adage goes, those cows have to be milked every morning before the sun is up, whether it's 10 below, 10 above, 95, and humid, it doesn't matter. The cows need to be milked. That's a good one. Uh, Eddie and Franklin. Eddie, what profession do you not envy on a day like this? Well, I do it myself. I'm in pest control. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We were on our hands and knees in the snow, looking for mouse holes and uh, inspecting homes on the outside. And yeah, it's uh, it's a little brutal on days like this, and especially when you have these larger homes that are built on hills, and you're going up, you know, icy snow hills, and you mm-hmm. know, do some skiing when you're not planning on it. <laughs> were you out this yeah. morning? Um, yep, absolutely. I'm out here right now. Oh. And, uh, I listen every I listen every morning, but uh, you know I've got to warm up in the truck sometimes. And, right. you know, I listen to you guys. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a little difficult when it gets to these days like this, where it just takes your breath away. Let me ask you this, though, Eddie. I mean, on a day like this, or like last year during that polar vortex, are there times oh, yeah. where the the pests and the critters are easier to find because they're just frozen dead and you just grab them? <laughs> I wish I could be so lucky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> these critters, are, these critters are pretty clever. So yeah, it's uh, you know, Mother Nature is uh, always one step ahead of us. It's 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 not an easy job, that's for sure. So you always got to be on your game, no matter what the temperature is. Very good, Eddie. Thanks for the call. Thanks for calling during the warm up, and I'll get back out there. Okay. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, I like it. Any other na- any other suggestions here? Tim in Green Bay. What's your profession that's really rough this time of year? Well, I'm a petroleum service technician, and we do uh, deal with anything to do with gas stations, from leaks to car readers not working properly. And you've been out and about this morning? Why, sure. Yesterday morning, up in the UP, any place we go. Wow. All right. I'll add it to the list. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Stay warm. I love all these people who are in the middle of the job that is so brutal this time of year. And they're in the middle of the job right now, but they're warming up. And that's what allows them to call or text in. One more. Kelly in Fort Atkinson. Hi, Cal. Hi there. Uh, Just to kind of the guy in front of me um, is a good one. Uh, My husband is a gas hauler. Hmm. So he's at the gas station uh, unloading gasoline, having to sit outside while the trailer is unloading so okay i mean just multiple layers and cracked hands and mm. so 
God bless him. We'll add it to the list. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it very much. Uh, just the last couple that haven't been mentioned on the text line. 262 texter. News photojournalist standing on an overpass during bad weather through hours of weather coverage. There you go. That one's hitting a little close to home to our building, isn't it? 414 texter. As a locksmith. Here's one. A locksmith. It was not fun fitting keys to... Um, uh, you know, fitting keys to automobiles when it's bitter cold. If the temperature was in the 20s or 30s, it's not bad. But anything colder, I could not wear gloves. In summer, if the car had power windows parked on street doors, could not be left open. Summer of 88 was brutal. A lot of days around 100. It is no coincidence that the the, the jobs we mention on a day like this are probably the same jobs we'd mention if it was July 14th and we were going through just sweltering, sweltering heat. Police, fire, paramedics, sign guys. I install real estate for sale signs. 21 21 stops today, Brian and Plymouth. Scott, how about airport ramp workers, baggage handlers, de-icers? Yeah, I think of those people as you're sitting in the plane looking out the window, watching for your bag, make sure it gets loaded up. Those people are out there. The planes must take off. The luggage must be loaded. All good ones. All good ones. This is kind of like an annual thing. Pick the coldest day of the year, and then we we remember, and we spend some time. You know what we're doing, really? We're basically spending some time just speaking and, and, and sending out our appreciation to those of you who have to be outside when it is zero or below zero. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Rolling on halfway, about halfway through Friday edition of the Wagner Show. Um, pull back the curtain here a little bit. I've been emailing back and forth a couple of times today with Jeff, who's in a much warmer climate right now than we all are, and I mean much, much warmer. He's starting to make fun of the situation we're in. He's telling me, you know, what beverage he's drinking and what the temperature is, and he's poolside and things like that. So. Give him a hard time when he comes back on Monday. This story in the Journal Sentinel that was put out earlier this morning, Wisconsinites received 515 million robocalls last year, up more than 80% in three years. My reaction to that is that absolutely feels like it. It it, it feels like I, I get more telemarketers more robocalls than ever before. Um, and I guess I haven't done this in a while. Is the no-call list still a thing? Remember that? That that was the thing to do. So I was looking around. I, I did see that the number still exists. Maybe I just have to go and re, uh, re-register my number. But yesterday, was it? Yeah, yesterday, during the course of the show, I got like three, three robocalls, three telemarketers. Three calls from numbers that aren't in my phone, and so I just I, I just I ignore it. You never get a voicemail, but it does feel like they're on the increase. But I don't hear a lot about the no call list anymore. I thought the no call. I thought the no call list, even though you had to re-register every year or every two years, I thought that was the be all end all. I thought that was going to be the. This is how we 
citizens of America can fight back against the telemarketers, but apparently not. Now, granted, we are entering the the heat of a political season, and political calls were not included in the original no-call list uh, legislation, so you were always going to get an uptick in robocalls during campaign season. But I thought the no-call list was supposed to uh, was supposed to be a cure-all. Area code four one four. Hey, hey, us. Area code four one four received the most robocalls in the state last year, an estimated one hundred forty almost one hundred forty-eight million. Followed by area code 608, 262, and 715. Nationwide in January alone, there were an estimated 4.7 billion robocalls. The other question I have is, do robocalls really work? And I guess the obvious answer would be yes. Otherwise, telemarketers and those who are behind this would try something else. The only reason... The only reason that it's up 80% in three years is because there has to be some level of success, to which I would say, what what degree of success do the powers that be running this system, What to what degree of success warrants, hey, we got to keep this up, we got to keep this going. It's funny because, uh, was it in this story? Yeah, they call it spoofing. This is a story, uh, JS Online, Rick Barrett has it. They call it spoofing. And they talk to a couple people, and they kind of turn the turn the, would you say, um, turn the turn the tables. That's it. Turn the tables on the robocall person. Have you ever tried that? I've 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 tried to do that sometimes, but sometimes they hang up on me. It's usually a robot. If it's an automated call, well, you can't really do much other than hang up. However, however, if it is a real live person, and sometimes that's the case. If it's a real live person, try to engage them. Jerry, I think it's Jerry Seinfeld has a good little bit about that. Try to engage them in conversation. See if you can, see if you can have a conversation. Talk about how lonely you are. You haven't spoken to another human being in weeks and weeks, and then just see how they react. But there are some serious scams that are out there, including one that is supposedly posing as somebody with the Social Security Administration, I actually was told that there was somebody who's younger than me. I think he's in his late 20s, early 30s. He fell for this. He thought it actually was the Social Security Administration. So I guess these things do work enough to keep it going. He actually thought it was somebody from the Social Security Administration who wanted his Social Security number. He called him back. He called them back, gave them his social security number. What are you doing? Nobody would ever call you on the telephone claiming to be the Social Security Administration and ask for your social security number. It just doesn't make sense. So I guess I'm answering my own question there, that there are enough people falling for these scams that keep the robocalls coming. The one that I get... Time and almost every single day. So you'll answer? No, 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 no. Oh. No, it goes it goes to my voicemail, but it leaves the same 23-second voicemail, and it's the same script. doesn't say who it's from, uh, but it is from somebody that is trying to send me a package, mm. and they're like, there's some sort of issue. you got to call us back. 
And yesterday, I already deleted it, but I got I got a text message, and it was like, "This is Amazon. You need to call us. <laughs> We've been trying to send you something for weeks." And it's like Amazon was in all caps. Mm. They spaced out where the the punctuation was terrible. I'm like, "This is obviously fake. What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> it was Amazon spelled A M M A Z A H N Amazon. But what about that package? I'm trying. I've been trying to send you something. I'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Nine two zero texter. This is what I'm talking about. Robocalls. I take the time out to get a rep on the phone. Yeah, but if you have the time to do it, play along and then say something so far off the wall that they'll never call me back. Usually, it ends in them swearing at me. I like that. Turn the tables. Two six two texter Scott. We've been getting the Am- we've been getting the Amazon call. Oh, it's a long text. See, this machine is not. Oh gosh, we've been getting the Amazon call slash recording, but it's been coming at six a.m. <laughs> there ought to be a law. <laughs> oh, that crossover content. Oh, I love it. I love it. Comes um, around this time of day too. Four one four. Chris from Wales says. I do telemarketing. Aha! Chris, stop calling me. I do telemarketing, but only to businesses that we know need our work, and 100% of our money is made this way, but we have services they need. Otherwise, robocalls, I can't stand. We call and answer every question. We know something about them. Boy, I wonder how successful they are doing that. So in that case, Chris is saying that telemarketers get a bad rep. So there are the good telemarketers, and then there are the nefarious telemarketers. So you're cold calling, or do you know who you're calling? What's nice, hey. well, in, in the article that Barrett had on JS Online about spoofing, spoofing is when they'll use a number with your area code yep. or a local area code. Mm-hmm. I get calls. I should just look right now. Like because, a 414 and yes, a 262. Yep, because yep, yep. I got calls just yesterday. Yesterday, I got... I got a call from Green Bay, from River Hill, two from River Hills, three from River Hills this week, two from Green Bay, and I let them go to voicemail. There's, I don't get a voicemail left, so I know it's a spoof. Do you know what this is doing, though? So I'll let those go to voicemail, too. Then I'll for- me off. That's but then I'll doing. forget about them, and then there'll be one from someone that I needed to get back to that's like it's sandwiched in between these three others that I'm burning through. That hasn't happened to you. Again, it probably would not be on the uptick over three years if there wasn't some data saying this works wisconsinites are suckers for the robocalls or something otherwise why keep up a futile practice like that Hmm. we'll see if you want to off the air if you want to text in or email in what's the what's the best thing you've done to a telemarketer or a robocall as it were turn the tables i say okay you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. West Alice, that's why. It's all how you say it. West Alice, that's why. West Alice? West Alice, that's why. Somebody on the texture. Good, good little connecting of dots here. Maybe the village president of Shortwood should hook up with the former mayor of Sheboygan, <laughs> Patrick Beaver Dam. Getting creative there. Okay. 
But it, it, it's hard for cities to come up with mottos and PR campaigns, slogans that are creative, memorable, that can make a difference as much as any PR campaign or advertising campaign for a city can drum up business. You, you need something. I know it's not easy. That's why <laughs> West Dallas, it just begs to be mocked. I live there. I can mock, We can mock ourselves. I can mock myself. Don't forget, after 2 o'clock, no pop culture corner today because Jeff is out. He'll be back next Friday. He's back on Monday. So in lieu of pop culture corner, we're going to call it a little Friday frivolity. Friday frivolity uh, here on Valentine's Day. I'm going to ask you for your Valentine's Day debacles. Debacles. Your stories of love that went awry. Hopefully it was on Valentine's Day. Maybe depending if we don't get enough, we don't get enough submissions, we can open it up to just stories of love gone awry, as it were, any time of year. But nevertheless, we'll do that at 2.07. So start thinking now. Don't text yet, but start thinking. We'll do that in about 15, 20 minutes. Valentine's Day debacles. A couple of you have already emailed in. You can email me anytime. Scott.Warris, W-A-R-R-A-S, at WTMJ.com. But I want to spend the next 15 minutes on this one. Teachers, back to a school theme here. Teachers, one teacher specifically, is under fire for trying to do all he could to demonstrate just how vile and evil slavery was in this nation. And what this teacher did was take a group of his students and have them act as if they were picking cotton, had them lay on the dirty floor in order to pretend to be slaves. This happened in New Jersey. The teacher then makes the noise of a cracking whip over them and kicked at the students' feet as they were on the ground. This has gone viral. This was picked up by Instagram, alerting a parent, social media posts. Now, these are is an eighth grade class. The teacher in New Jersey is also, side note, the mayor of a small town in New Jersey, coming under fire for doing it. He says, however, he was demonstrating a degrading and despicable institution in American history when he told students to pretend to be slaves. He's apologized, but said the lessons learned from slavery must be shared and taught. At no time was my intention to harm the sensitivities of any student. If this lesson did that, I apologize to those affected. Did this specific instance cross the line? Was this example of trying to trying to connect with students and teach them the truly horrific nature of slavery by having them pretend to pick cotton, by having them lay down on the dirty floor, making the sound of a whip being cracked, kind of kicking them, as it were, to put the students in that frame of mind to demonstrate slavery this way, again, with the intent of demonstrating truly how degrading and despicable slavery was in our U.S. history, pretend to be slaves. Does that cross the line? Did that cross the line 
Or is this a resourceful teacher that is thinking outside the box and trying to break through in the year 2020 by demonstrating to kids and trying to break through in their minds just how horrific this practice was, part of our nation's history. 855-616-1620. It is the Acuna Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's have that debate when we come back. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is not the first story of a teacher facing some heat for trying to teach about slavery and have their methods, as it were, questioned. Does this cross the line, or is this something that will certainly stick with children, young people, more than sitting in a desk and reading a paragraph out of a book? Hmm? 855-616-1620. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's go to Bob in Greenfield. Hi, Bob. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon. Listen, I, I think this teacher is extremely resourceful. Uh, you know, we've become a nation of wimps where everybody's always uh, offended by anything anybody does. But, you know, these kids will remember that. They will remember demonstration more than anything they're going to read. I don't remember anything I read when I was in eighth grade, but I certainly remember things that, that happened that were physical um, uh, lessons in life. I mean, he didn't hurt anybody. I, I think I think he did a great job. I think the guy should be applauded. Thanks for the call, Bob. I appreciate it. Similar sentiment on the text line. 414, I applaud that teacher. Sometimes to get attention of students, you need them to act out the part without anyone getting hurt. Certainly. That is a way of keeping their attention, and it will be something they will never forget. I think you can also say the same thing about you know field trips. If you go to a historic site, of some sort and you are in the in the building in the structure on location where something happened is that more likely to stick than anything else the district the school district spokesman as as the investigation here moves forward says we are keeping in mind that our curriculum has evolved to include more hands-on authentic activities now the spokesman for the district says and adds it seems initially clear that the teacher had no ill intent, but but should have used better judgment. Is there something else he could have done? And this did cross the line. Having them pretend to pick cotton, having them to physically lay down on a dirty floor, making the sound of a cracking whip, pretending to kick them. And I guarantee you that he got the point across. I guarantee you that those students that were involved in this classroom activity are never going to forget it. And in that case, does the ends justify the means in this instance? 855-616-1620. Was that not the ultimate intent of the teacher? Teach this lesson this way. And when it's all said and done, these students in 2020 are going to have a much more realistic, as realistic as it could be, certainly, sense of slavery and just how bad it was, how brutally horrible it was, than if we read about a, you know, a, a paragraph out of a social studies book or a, or, or a history book. Let's go to Cedarburg and talk to Craig. Hi, Craig. You're on WTMJ. 
good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. You know, I was listening to this story, and um, I grew up with a mother who's a retired teacher, um, so I'm familiar with education. And um, this man broke the law. That whip is a weapon, and he brought that into a schoolroom. Okay, I, I, I'm, and I'm, this man hang, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me just set you straight, Greg. There's nothing in the story that says he physically had a whip. He was making the sound of a whip with his mouth. Like he he was just audibly okay. making a sound as if he were using a whip. So there is nothing well, that I can. T- as, yeah. Got it. As far as I'm concerned, he he traumatized these children, hmm. and um, and even if a child was black, you would never want to do that to him. I, I think this is a ridiculous way of showing something, and. Um, I think it's horrible, and, and thank goodness you didn't have a whip in, in, no. in the room. No, because no. again, that would be a broke uh, that would be a broken policy. But I, he did traumatize them, and yes, your last caller said they're going to remember this forever. Yes, because they've been traumatized. It's ridiculous. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate your call. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. I am all for teachers using outside the box thinking. You gotta you gotta break through somehow, especially on issues as serious as the nation's history with slavery. There are probably elements of this I, I cringe at the making the sound of a whip. Uh, I cringe at, but I do think, generally speaking, to be able to think outside the box and do things that are unique and different, that certainly will that will lead to a successful lesson taught this specific case this specific story i I probably would not have done the cracking of the whip but that's just my own personal eh, i don't feel comfortable doing that having them lie down having them try to as close as you can and this doesn't really at all come close but what are you going to do i I mean (laughs) have them try and put themselves in in a in a in a frame of mind to, in some way, shape, or form, try to think what was it like to be treated lesser than a human being? Hmm? They'll remember that lesson. Okay. That's one of those things that... You you do wonder how often teachers are... Man, how do I, how do I break through to a kid? What do I do? How can I go about teaching this lesson? On something like slavery or something else. How do I, how do I go about to try and... Make my point. How can I make this stick? I don't envy teachers for having to have to go through that thought process and trying to come up with a lesson plan that involves more than simply cracking open a textbook and droning on and on and on about paragraphs. And the more innovative teachers can be, the more effective they are in the long run. So let's move on. After the news with Eric here in a moment. It is Friday. It is the 2 o'clock hour. Normally that is set aside for the Pop Culture Corner. Jeff is out. We'll leave the Pop Culture Corner to his neck of the woods. So for me, we'll call it some Friday frivolity. And because it is Valentine's Day, we will have a Valentine's Day-themed frivolous few minutes, right? Here's what I am asking of you on this sacred day. That it is, some more than others. Share with us your Valentine's Day debacle. Valentine's Day debacles could be big, could be little. 
Maybe it's something that happened. Maybe it's a date gone wrong. You forgot about it only to walk into the house and the wife is expecting something. It didn't happen. Maybe, and there's some of you in the building as well, that have broken up with somebody on Valentine's Day. Who does that? Who does that? You talk about a traumatic experience. Who does that? So debacles come in all shapes and sizes, some big, some small. Over the next couple of minutes, 855-616-1620. Hopefully everybody's recovered from it so we can share a laugh. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Text and call. Email if you like. Valentine's Day debacles. We'll dive in after this on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Two o'clock hour, Friday, Valentine's Day. Love is in the air, yes! Thank you, for, uh, Eric, thank you for that Valentine you gave me yesterday. You're welcome. It's a box of candy. Did you get one? No, I got one. No, I got one in my office for you, bud. Oh, thank you. Kyle gets one. Okay, good. All right. It's it's really a heartwarming sentiment when he scribbles your name on it and just chucks it at you from thirty yards out. It's really, it's a real touching sentiment, Bill. Love you too, buddy. What would you like me to do? (laughs) Hand it to me in a gentle way and tap me on the shoulder. I would criticize your Valentine, but you don't give any. Ruffle my hair a little bit and say, "Hey, bud, I love the job you're doing here." Hand on the shoulder, (laughs) and then we walk to HR. Okay. So here's what I want to do. This is a 2 o'clock hour, no pop culture corner. It'll be back when Jeff is back. Friday frivolity. Today's topic is your Valentine's Day debacles. I was talking with your colleague Mike Spaulding earlier today, sharing his uh, one, I think it was a Valentine's Day debacle, when he tried to make a very, so let me give the number out, that would help, 855, I'm accused of saying this number too quickly sometimes, 855 616 one six twenty eight five five six one six one six twenty Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Share with us your Valentine's Day debacle. Big, small. Maybe you uh, broke up on Valentine's Day. Maybe you tried to cook something and went, went and went wrong. Maybe you went out to a restaurant and just had a horrific time. Who knows? Maybe you got stood up on Valentine's Day. Maybe it's it's just bad. All shapes and sizes. Spend a couple moments doing this. A couple of you have emailed in. I'll read that. A couple of texts have come in as well, but share as much as you can. As always, we'll give you a phony fake name if that makes you feel more comfortable. No, but Eric, I was talking to Spalding earlier, and he said that he tried a very ornate dinner for his girl, then girlfriend, now wife, and just totally ruined it. Burned. I think it was a was it a duck. Or oh, wow. or lamb or something was one of those exotic meats, <laughs> and, uh, and burned it to a crisp, just ruined the whole okay. thing. But then he said, if I got it right, he presented her with the ruined meal to at least somehow get some sort of credibility in her book. Hey, look, I tried, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because taking it to McDonald's then, not the same. No. So a texter on the 262 says, I served my ex divorce papers five years ago on Valentine's Day. First day of the start of the great life that I now lead. All right, congratulations. You know, Steve was asking about that. He's like, people don't get divorced on Valentine's Day, do they? And I said, no, I don't think they care what the date is. They're ready to split. No matter if it's February 14th. But I'm willing to bet if you're getting divorced, you and 
and it's around this time of year, there's a little added, little added punch to be able to do it on February 14th, yeah, is there good. not? A couple of them. Uh, let's see. This is an anonymous person. Uh, there, there's all kinds of great stories out there. Was walking down the street holding a bunch of incredibly expensive roses to give to the girlfriend on their early Valentine's Day date. This is kind of along the lines of what we're talking about. When she phoned him and dumped him there and then. Now, that was February 13th. Hmm. I think my response was, well, this is awkward. Uh, the pair had been together for roughly six months. In hindsight, the fact she was... Uh, yeah, here's the thing. If you're already arranging to go out for dinner on the 14th, you know what you're doing if you're breaking up on the 13th. If, yeah. if, if you know you're going to be out by the, 14th, by the 13th, don't, don't, don't schedule the date for the 14th. See, I agree with that. And you don't wait a few days later. You don't enjoy all the festivities of a February 14th Valentine's Day and then... And then break up. Just tear the Band-Aid off. Get it done. Here we go. 855-616-1620 on the text line. This is a long one. I was given gift cards for a new restaurant. Okay. I took my wife out to eat on Valentine's Day. We ordered our food. We went to the buffet. She gets her salad and soup, and the soup was ice cold. The waitress, uh, the waitress came back, gave us our food, and we never saw her again. We had to ask a bus person, a bus boy, whatever, to get our bill. The hostess asked how things were. And I said, we saw a waitress once. We never saw her again. We had to flag down a, a, flag down a bus boy in order to get a bill. And she said, well, I'm glad you had a good time. Needless to say, I've never been back there again. See, that is something where you can plan everything. But if if the waiter, the waitress sucks at their job, yeah. it can ruin the whole night. It can ruin the mood. Right? Did, did you hear what happened on the radio last night? On this station? On our, on our station? Uh, last night? No, I was not around the radio last night, so I didn't hear. No. So WTMJ Nights, you know, yes. Barry Nelson's one of the producers. You hear him on the air from time to yeah. time. And last <laughs> night it was Dasha and Pete Schwaba. Okay, Dasha Kelly. And uh, Pete happened to say, hey, you know what? Who who's, has a good Valentine's story? And he kind of threw out the numbers or whatever. And, and Nelson... Turns on his mic and says, well, I have a bad one. Barry? And here's what he said. And if you can beat my story of breaking up with a girl on Valentine's Day. You did, you did not. not. I did. When I was in college. Not by her. text also. No, 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 no. We, we, had gone out, we actually went out on a date and we had been going out for months and it was that night that I said, yeah, sorry. What, did she have food in her teeth? What, what was no, that? and we were really close. I To this day, I don't know why I did it, but huh. it happened. I don't know why I did it, but so, it happened. It gets better. It gets better. So what's right after that show on Thursdays at 8 o'clock? Well, it's Matt Polly, of course. Brewers Weekly. Yeah. No. So Polly comes on right after the break. Are you kidding <laughs> and me? here's what Polly says. I broke up with a girl the day before Valentine's Day. Oh, the man. You, got, you and Barry are kindred spirits. <laughs> so true story. So I'm Greek. Uh, I later found out that the night before I broke up with her, I'm Greek. She had gone to, like, the ethnic food store and got all the ingredients for baklava. Oh. And she spent the entire night <laughs> up baking me baklava. And then I take her to a coffee shop the next morning, and I break up. See, now, <laughs> what a terrible what person. What is wrong with these guys? Who does this? We, should we call them up? 
Who should we pick on more, Barry or Polly? So my question is, would it have been worse, though, had he eaten the baklava and then broken up with her? Would that have been worse? Or do you just, you know, do you wait until after the Valentine's Day festivities and then call it? Or do you do what he did? Do it on the 13th. You know what? Let's tear the Band-Aid off. Sorry. Did he get the baklava though? No, it sounds like no. But she, he, here well, she, she made this. Right, she, she made it. it. I wonder, did she already present it to him? And then he's like, "Thanks." <laughs> oh, by the way, no, he found out about it later. He said, "Wow." But here's my favorite part. The very end here. here he goes, and she spent the entire night up <laughs> baking me baklava, and then I take her to a coffee shop the next morning, and I break up. See now. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong? This is what this is what I want. Pe- people actually do this. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm just going to keep reading emails and texts. Somebody wants to call in. See, I never know how these things go. You flip a coin with this Friday frivolity. What was it? One, one time, you and I, Eric, we we did a tell us a good funeral story. Things that went wrong at funerals. And we got inundated oh with gosh. calls, and I thought that was going to be a flop. I thought, we would have, I thought we would have some calls, but nobody wants to weigh in. Really? Everybody within the sound of my voice has had just the, the most romantic, swimmingest, beautiful, smooth Valentine's Day? Really? What we need to find are the two girls that Barry and Matt Pauly <laughs> broke up with. Get that? them on the phone. Now Pauly's not answering his phone. I wanted to <laughs> hold his feet to the fire. That's what I would like to know. Hi, yes, I'm the girl that Matt Pauly once broke up with. <laughs> After I made the baklava. What'd you, did you eat the baklava? Did you toss out the baklava? 855-616-1620. All right, I said I got an email as well. Uh, this is Donna. Donna emailed in, years ago, my husband gave me a red Valentine gift. A red vacuum cleaner. It amazes me, sidebar here, it amazes me how many guys just are just completely uh, tone deaf (laughs) when it comes to the gifts that they give their significant others on special days, anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas, Valentine's Day. I'm sure it was well-intentioned. Donna says, years ago, my husband gave me a red vacuum cleaner for Valentine's Day. I was not sure if that was a good thing because I I needed a new one or an insult that I wasn't keeping the house clean enough. Many years later, that vacuum is still running strong. My husband and I... Still running strong, 56 years, 56 years of Very marriage nice. and counting. Okay, Very so nice. that works. Um, all right, we have a brave soul that wants to weigh in. This is uh, Molly in Oconomowoc. Hi, Molly. How are you? You're not the girl that Matt Pauly once broke up with, are you? No. Okay. Nope. Tell nope. us your I swear I'm not. Tell us your Valentine's Day debacle. Well, this did happen quite a few years ago. My husband and I have been married almost 20 years, and uh, this is probably a good 10 years ago. Um, we still have three dogs, but at the time we had three dogs, just different dogs. And um, two of them decided to have sort of a discussion, if you will. One of them ended up biting the other one right below his eye, and I ended up um, sitting with one of those dogs at the doggy ER um, while he got his eye stretched up. Oh, man. So there was no Valentine dinner, and there was a great big bill. You spent Valentine's Day at the the the, the dog at the ER at, sure. the, at the vet. Sure. Oh, sure. Gosh. <laughs> now were the nurses right. and the doctors wearing like Valentine's Day stuff? 
Sadly, no, because I had seen enough red before I got oh, there, oh, and it was just fine. Gotcha. Um, we've had other much better Valentine stories since then, um, but that was the one that kind of stands out as the not so great one. So. And always will. Thank you, Mal. Appreciate the call very much. 855-616-1620-262 Texter. I had filed for divorce in the late 80s. It was shortly before Valentine's Day, and my lawyer assured me that the sheriff's department would not serve it on on Valentine's Day, but they did. <laughs> 414. Not a broken hearts. You don't forget some breakups, especially if it's on this day, right? My high school beau broke up with me on Valentine's Day. I baked him a special cookie. He broke up with me as we parked at the lakefront. I threw the cookie at him. I had... Uh, to drive him home afterward. Oh, man. He later apologized 30 years <laughs> later. Why did you drive him home? Throw the cookie at him, kick him out of the car, See, and say, walk. It's Find better. your own way at home. At least he didn't eat the cookie while he was breaking up with her, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. gosh, this is good. Is this chocolate chip? This oh, man, this is great. <laughs> um, look, I just, I've been thinking about, oh, this is great. I've been thinking about things, and... <laughs> I just, uh, man, is this this oatmeal? What is this, white chocolate? Anyway, I've been thinking about things, and this is just not working out between the two of us. But no! (laughs) Then she threw it. Kick him out of the car! Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Oh, man. So do you and uh, Angie have big plans? We're going out tomorrow. Oh, okay. I think um, I think we're having some people over tonight, but we're going out just us and some friends downtown tomorrow. By the way, uh, Kyle, you and the future Mrs. Kyle, this is your first Valentine's Day as an engaged couple. You got to take it up a notch. Yeah, I'm working. Oh, <laughs> we went out All last right. night, and it was uh, very busy where we went. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I can't remember if I asked you guys this, but... Today, Valentine's Day, is, statistically speaking, the second busiest day on the restaurant calendar. Did I quiz you on this off the air already? So what would number one be? What is the busiest day on the restaurant calendar? Is it Wednesday before Thanksgiving? You say the... So you're... Oh, so you're saying the 13th? (laughs) No, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Oh, the... I'm sorry. Um... The Wednesday before Thanksgiving. No, it's not. You want to take a guess? Uh, is this for the state nationwide? No, this is yeah it, it, nationwide, nationally, mm, nationally. I, I was going to say Good Friday, but I don't feel good about that anymore. Because the fish fry. Who could um, be Easter? Hey, Easter, Thanksgiving. A lot of people go out. Think on of a think of a day. Think of a day where people just r- rush to the restaurants. Why do you go to the restaurant? Why do you go to the restaurant? Food and drink. So that you don't have to what? Cook. You don't have to cook. Who is usually left, not in every household, but who oftentimes is the one that does the bulk of the cooking? mom or grandma? Right. So if you're going to the restaurant, Mother's Day. Ah. Mother's Day is nationally the busiest day on the restaurant calendar because you're not going to have mom (laughs) or grandma cook. On the day meant to honor them. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. good job. The uh, text line's fired up here. Mother's Day, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, Mother's Day. Yep. That's it. So uh, today is number two. If you don't have to go out, 
order in, have a nice romantic bottle of wine, movie, candlelight dinner, and whatever happens after that. Giddy up. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You just, uh, Kyle, you just got your Billstad Valentine's Day gift. Got your box of candy. I got it. <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> All right. There you go. Did he present it in a very touching, emotional way? Oh, Debbie's. Oh, Debbie Lazaga, uh, getting ready for the big Wisconsin afternoon news show. <laughs> uh, apparently, driving in, listening to our conversation about yes. Valentine's Day debacles. Yes. So you want to go on record it with your story? It, I wouldn't want to say it was a total debacle. It's it was debacles. On, it was my deba- wedding day. Debacles come in all shapes and sizes. Because our wedding day, we got married on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. So it was our wedding day, and we had wedding crashers. Oh, yes. Okay. We had uh, like two or three couples that came. The girls came dressed as wedding in wedding dresses that they got from Goodwill. And the guys came in tuxedos. They usually apparently for Valentine's Day, they would bar hop in their mm. wedding garb. And they showed up at my wedding reception. And all my friends were coming up to me going, oh, Debbie, only you would have someone who's dressed up like a wed- bridal. T-. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> And uh, wow. we had our friend uh, talk to them, ask them that while well, the bride and groom would like you to leave. The guy's like, we don't have to go anywhere. And the guy's like, no, <laughs> yes, you do. And scared the living jeebies out of the guys. And uh, they went off. Later on in the evening, they went to the bar downstairs, and they they kept trying to get us to go down there so they could buy us drinks because they felt bad. I'm like, I'm hmm. not going anywhere. you know. So I did everything I could not to be a bridezilla the entire process. And the very last day that I'm a bride, this has to happen. That's when you became the Zilla. That's where I, the Zilla came in. Wow. So but today, it was fun. Today's your anniversary. Today's our anniversary. Okay. Number well, 11. Happy anniversary. Why, thank you so much. This, even, even with that memory. Yes, even with but that But see, memory. here's the thing. 11 years deep, and you're... That memory it's still haunts you. It's a story to say, tell. But those so. people had that impact on your special day. This is true. What a bunch this of morons. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? You can't think about that day w- without at some point having that memory it's, creep in. It's more of a chuckle type of thing now. Now it's more like, oh, well, ha they're funny. It's a story to tell. So. All right. The jerks still owe me drinks. So this is a double uh, for your uh, hubby. This is a, a, a double thing. It's we, Valentine's Day and it's anniversary. It, it, it's like when somebody's birthday's on at uh, Christmas time. Right. We did that on purpose because we were both yeah. worried we were going to be stupid and forget our anniversary. So this way we couldn't. Society would not let us forget. Thank you, Debbie. Thank All you. All right. We're going to add that to the story. Okay. Now, guess who's just called it? We'll get to Great Scott in just a second. <sighs> Matt Pauley... Uh, who is on location, parts unknown, is called in. Matt, I'm sorry, but Bill Stad played that audio clip in the last 15 minutes on the program here of you saying on the air right before Brewers Weekly last night that you broke up with a girl on Valentine's Day, and I just had to follow up and say, what is wrong with you? Who does uh, that? Day before Valentine's Day. It doesn't Scott, matter. Before. You know darn well you're ruining her Valentine's Day if you break up with her on the 13th. Okay, a couple things. First off, let's be really clear. I was in college at the time. We're talking like 15 years ago, so this is not indicative of who I am. But while I may have been ruining her Valentine's Day, Scott, I was saving mine. <laughs> How long had you guys been together? Before this, before the breakup, I, I don't three months maybe. I don't know if even that. 
Did you get the baklava at any point? Did, did you get the baklava before the breakup so you could at least enjoy that on the way out? No, I actually didn't learn about the baklava until at least a year later because we actually, we, after a period of non-talking, we kind of came back around and became friends again, and that's when she uh, dropped a little bit of information on me about the baklava. Okay, so you found out about the baklava after the uh, the detente, as it were. Yes, well after, well after the, I I think it was like a seven a.m. Hey, let's meet at a coffee shop sort of thing. I uh, I was getting that thing knocked out as mm. quick as I possibly could. Yeah, at least you did it in person and not over the phone. Okay, you're only yes. mild, you're only mildly a horrible person. Now you can go on with your day. Thanks for telling us the story. I don't know that you've really helped your cause at all. Retroactively a horrible person. Retroactively um, a horrible person. <laughs> does your wife know this now? You did what? I, I, I think she does, although right now I have the door closed. She's in the next room over, so uh, if she has forgotten about this story, that's okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Matt. You bet. Oh, wow. All these people right here in our own hallways of Radio City with these stories of whatnot. All right. We got to get to this very quickly. Very quickly here at 2.41. A lot of people have been very creative with their tributes, sports figures especially, but entertainers as well, their tributes to Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant. Yesterday, while golfing at Riviera Country Club at the Genesis Invitational, Tiger Woods did something that some in the media and if you look at the headlines are saying what a tribute to Kobe Bryant what a tribute to Kobe Bryant that Tiger Woods did what is it he did on the first hole a par 5 he shot eagle and he accomplished the eagle with a putt of 24 feet 8 inches 24 and 8. Two numbers. The two numbers that Kobe Bryant wore in his career as a Los Angeles Laker. That is not a tribute. That is not a tribute. That is simply a coincidence. A nurse in Wuhan who is quarantining herself away from her family. Think about that. Think about the healthcare workers in Wuhan. They don't they, they don't have the coronavirus, but they're quarantining themselves because they don't want to, you know, get around the family members in case they catch something at work as it were. But this remarkable video has surfaced of a nurse in the city in the epicenter of this illness. A nurse is walking to work while her husband drives behind her. And it really demonstrates the extreme lengths that medical workers are going, you know, are, are going to right now to try and stop the coronavirus spread. Um, the couple uses video chat to talk to each other because they're not going to get in the same room together. Over 500 medical workers in Wuhan have been diagnosed with the virus. 600 more suspected of having it. Other reports say that over a thousand healthcare workers could have contracted the virus. Three healthcare workers have already died. So again, another layer of this story is how the healthcare workers across the nation of China, but especially in the epicenter of the virus, 
have changed their lives to try and keep their own family members healthy. If even it means I walk to work while my husband drives right behind me to make sure I make it safely. Right, Scott! And last but not least, a missing dog's ghostly barking heard underground. Underground. It wasn't coming from a cave, a tunnel, a drainage pipe, as you sometimes hear. You know, a dog goes down a well or some sort of pipe or sewer. It was coming from the dirt itself. The family responded to this very odd sound because they couldn't find the dog. Dog dis- uh, disappears, but they can hear the bark coming from somewhere underground. So they call the Franklin County Animal Control Shelter. This is in uh, Virginia. And it was a wise move, as they tell the story on Facebook. The dog's name, Henry, a beagle, was very much alive. But get this, it got hopelessly stuck underground on Monday while chasing a rabbit. He managed, they say, to, sh- to chase something in a hole on the property. The hole turned out to be a buried old abandoned vehicle. Once inside, he got wedged in the far, far back, couldn't get himself out. They could hear him barking beneath the ground. It's like something coming from a, from a grave. He was in so deep that the animal control folks had to call the local fire department for assistance and tools needed to dig and bend metal to get him free. Animal control officials didn't say how long it took to get the dog out. Photos reveal the long-buried vehicle was upside down in the ground, and Henry was trapped deep, deep inside. One photo shows the dog's head and floppy ears were not visible until after rescuers dug several feet down, but they're happy to report Henry is fine. He did not experience any pain during the rescue. Just a little cold, thirsty, and tired. And they've got the photo here to prove it. But how creepy is that? The dog disappears. There's no well, no sewer on the property. He's in the ground in an old abandoned vehicle that was upside down and buried a few feet under the dirt. Scary stuff. Creepy stuff. But a happy ending. And that's how we conclude this Friday Wagner Show edition of... Great Scott!